with Chesterton, a podcast where two millennial women discuss Gilbert Keith Chesterton. I am Marie, and today I am joined by special guest Kristen Van Uden from Sophia Institute Press. She is joining us today to have a different episode today. Very excited to have her. Kristen received her MA in History from the College of William and Mary in 2019. She previously studied the persecution of Catholics under communist regimes. She now researches contemporary Catholic saints and miracles as author, spokesperson for Sophia Institute Press. Kristen, welcome to Pints with Chesterton. Good morning, Marie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you. Uh, It's a treat to meet another millennial woman who (laughs) loves our man, Gilbert. So the book that we're discussing today is very special. Up until this point, the publisher that has pioneered republishing Gilbert's works has been Ignatius Press. Mm -hmm. And now Sophia has come out with this beautiful copy of What's Wrong with the World, which is basically a collection of essays. There's so much in it. Sophia's put this out. Is it released yet, Kristen? Yes, it was released in January, so... Okay, fantastic. Amazon. Okay, okay. So find it on Sophia's website and on Amazon. A couple questions for you first. How did you first experience um, Chesterton and what was the first thing that you read by him? So like many, I first came into contact with G.K. Chesterton by the beautiful quotes that you'll see on social media in front of him. Yes, yes. He's quotable almost in his entirety, and there was just something really special about seeing those quotes and then finding some of them in this book in context. So one of the quotes that comes from this book is one of my favorites, which is, the it's not that the christian ideal has been tried and found wanting but rather it has been found difficult and left untried which on its own just really packs a punch but then when i read it in the context of everything else he was talking about it was it was a great moment so yes i heard of chesterton all throughout college um and then like a lot of us got more into his fiction first and the first Mm -hmm. book i read was the man who was thursday which is a wild ride (laughs) and um really interesting to see how his conversion is progressing along his writing career and then also his essays which i think um in various collections of essays either one-off or in an anthology really diagnose a lot of modern evils which was basically the motivation behind producing this volume is because what's wrong with the world in his time is really a version of what's wrong with the world today so his essays, I think his nonfiction is my favorite because he just speaks so directly and clearly. And, you know, he's known as the apostle of common sense. And that's really yeah. the reaction you have reading him, especially his nonfiction. Yeah. It's just that makes sense <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Everything that he says, like Amari says in the foreword, it is sounds prophetic because it's mm-hmm. so applicable to what we're seeing in our world today. So... Fantastic. Well, you answered my second question. Why did you guys pioneer this project? Um, I think that's a fantastic reason. Today, I wanted to talk about um, the free family, the modern slave, and the outlawed parent. Um, And like I said, in the book, in the volume that they've produced, there are 46 (laughs) chapters. I think this will give you a good taste, listeners, of, of what 
he's trying to accomplish. And they're short um, chapters too, so don't get overwhelmed. Yes. <laughs> like two, three pages. Yes, I mean, I think one of these was only four pages. So yeah. <laughs> it's very funny because in the preface, Gilbert talks about how he started out with the title, What's Wrong? Mm-hmm. And was telling all of these people who were visiting his house, oh, I've been doing what's wrong all morning, or I was upstairs doing what's wrong. Yeah. And <laughs> he realized that it was a very problematic title. So we, uh, we got to what's wrong with the world. So in The Free Family, he talks about marriage, and he talks about marriage as an institution and the home as this defensible institution. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on his non-religious arguments for marriage and, w- and were you convinced by it? Yeah, so I think it's interesting that oftentimes, especially among the set of English converts to Catholicism from his time and then later on the Inklings, we, we see a lot of times that sort of a moral conversion and a conversion to the natural law precedes an actual religious conversion. So that is very clear in Chesterton's conception of the family because he Mm. is essentially extolling the virtues of the holy family itself and then what a good Christian Mm. family would look like. And in this book, he goes into not only the moral reasons for family, but also the economic reasons. And that carries over into his view on feminism and the role of women and the role of men. And what really struck me in this chapter is how he basically speaks of commitment as essential to the family. And this is something Mm -hmm. that's entirely lost today because in our culture, we're so focused on personal pleasure and hedonism and Mm -hmm. being slaves to our feelings almost, where Mm -hmm. the idea of choosing someone to marry and then that's it. And you just, you go forward with that and um, through the rest of your life, sealed by the Holy Spirit, that is the choice. And he's not yet Catholic, but he's really speaking of a sacramental marriage. He's speaking of something Mm -hmm. that's been bound together by God and cannot be dissolved by man. So um, Mm -hmm. I, I like at the end of this chapter, this really stuck out to me. He says that if Americans can be divorced for, quote, incompatibility <laughs> temper, <laughs> I cannot yes. believe why they are not all divorced. <laughs> I have known yes. many happy marriages, but never a compatible one. The whole aim of marriage is to fight through and survive the instant when incompatibility becomes unquestionable. For man and mm. woman as such are incompatible. So yes. as he's really encapsulating there not only the complementarity of the two genders, but also just the idea of you don't run when things get tough and you don't throw your own selfish desires over this institution, Mm. which is really the foundation of society. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I I had that underlined in my copy as well. (laughs) He's making the fantastic point that something worth doing, you have to get through in the Mm -hmm. tedious, difficult times. Mm -hmm. And the line just just previous to the ones that you read, in everything on this earth that is worth doing, there is a stage when no one would do it except for necessity or honor. Mm -hmm. It is then that the institution upholds a man and helps him onto the firmer ground ahead. I love that. And this is, as you said, with anything in life that you want to accomplish, that you want to succeed in, it applies to The church as well, I think, that all of the Protestant denominations that are surprised to learn, to discover that it is the same Catholic church from Christ to now, 
it's maintained by the institution of the church and by by Christ himself and and that's the only way yeah I I really loved this chapter because I thought this is a chapter that I could give to a person who doesn't necessarily believe in Christ yet right and they might see the sense and the good in a marriage that truly lasts a lifetime through all of the ups and downs. Definitely. And Chesterton, too, had lots of struggles in his marriage. So I, I read a biography of his wife a couple of years ago before I really got oh, into his work. And Nancy. She, yeah, Woo! I know. <laughs> she was incredible of her own accord and was a writer herself, yes. although not, not heavily published. But throughout their marriage, they were unable to have children, for example, and that was a great cross Mm. that both of them bore their whole lives, but he still, both of them could see the value in the typical institution of marriage, and it didn't make their marriage any less of a path to heaven for either of them, too. So they, they had this idea, because they both were married before either converted, so she was Anglican at the time, he was just an atheist when they were married, and he has this beautiful dedication to his, uh, I think it's the poem of the white horse, what, uh, mm-hmm. whatever the title of that one is, where he dedicates it to her and says, therefore, Ballad I bring of the, the cross horse. to you that brought these rhymes to me. And that's always stuck with me. Or mm. sorry, the other way, these rhymes to you that brought the cross to me. And mm. the, they just had this very mutual, complementary relationship, despite yeah. the massive challenges and the fact that we don't really think about their marriage in terms of challenges is a testament to the fact that they were able to rise above them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the fact, yeah, the fact that people remember them as this couple that was so happy and enamored Mm -hmm. with each other Mm -hmm. and couldn't live without the other (laughs) is, is beautiful, but they were constantly ill. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have children. They had financial troubles at times. It was definitely not a marriage devoid of um, of difficulties. Definitely. Um, let's roll into the next chapter that I wanted to discuss, The Modern Slave. And I'm taking this from a section in the book, which I will tell you the title of, Feminism or the Mistake About Woman. This is the final chapter in that, in that part three. I want to talk about it because it's difficult being a woman... <laughs> today I won't even elaborate on that it's difficult being a woman (laughs) today uh, and uh, and I think Chesterton has some really interesting ideas about women one of the questions I wanted to ask you about this was what are your thoughts um, on what GKC thinks about female suffrage Mm -hmm. and women staying in the home etc his opinion about about women so this is probably the most controversial opinion that Chesterton forwards in the book is that he is against female suffrage and he's against the women's vote. And this is, you have to remember at the time that he was writing, this debate was enthralling England. This was at the time of the suffragettes who were throwing themselves in front of horses to catch attention yes. and being imprisoned constantly. So this was... Some, there's a major, major movement oftentimes uh, met with violence and very much in the public eye at all times. Mm-hmm. And his reasons for being against female suffrage come from his ideal of the family as a unit and also the role of a woman within that family. So he speaks in this book of what he calls the wildness of domesticity, where mm-hmm. he talks of the home as the woman's domain and he conceives of a woman as, quote, the great amateur. So mm. she is a cook, but not a five-star chef. 
She is a teacher, but not a professional teacher, but she teaches her children. And she plays all these other roles, musician and um, cleaning and all the many other ways mm. in which making a happy home with a happy family requires intelligence, mm. skills, creativity, mm. and just a keen eye that he is very reverent of in women and, and he's very and that he himself of. does not have oh definitely not he <laughs> <Right>. recognizes <laughs> that he himself could not have that keen eye to run a home mm-hmm. exactly yeah he he describes this as a uniquely feminine trait and how mm. uh there's a quote i'm not remembering exactly but he says a man goes into the city to be anybody but a woman stays home to be someone and that she's the queen of her own mm. castle at home and so by making her to be as he views it a man by giving her mm. manly duties such as the vote or uh, the workplace then he thinks that there that constitutes a violation of her god-given role in the home where where she is actually this queen where she is happiest and where she is given free reign to truly live out her nature so he he's not approaching this from a modern misogynistic he, <laughs> he he has no desire really to control women like we see with many uh modern interpretations of, of mm. this movement but it's really coming from this place of reverence of women and of understanding of the the, dif- the inherent differences between the sexes yeah beautifully said he's defining the ideal and that's something you always have to keep in mind with chesterton especially i think with his economic program like distributism yes he's talking about an ideal and what we should strive towards but especially not even during his time but 100 percent, especially not today <laughs> we do not yes. live in that ideal world so yes you know, yes this would be great this is a beautiful description of the garden of eden but <laughs> yes we do live in a fallen world we live in a world that's been destroyed by wars and like economic yeah just complete collapse and and movements where these roles between men and women have been completely demolished and we are all doing our best within those parameters. So it's good yes. to keep these ideals in mind, but also know that you're, you can still get to heaven, like even though yeah. we live yes. in a perfect world and you can still have you nailed a it. of this. Yes. Uh, some yes. versions of this and these principles just working with imperfect circumstances. Yes. And that's what the Lord calls us to, to continue striving even with imperfect circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that. The goal is to get to heaven. So if you can live your life in a holy way, whatever that looks like, Mm -hmm. that's the goal. You want to, you want to live out God's will for your life. I think too, he understands, especially wanting to have children, but not having children, Mm -hmm. the preciousness of children. Mm -hmm. And he and Francis took on so many young people in their life and became sorts of uh, foster spiritual parents to them. And he understands what a privilege it is for a woman to shape and raise children. Mm -hmm. And if you're a person who thinks that a woman doesn't need to be educated in order to stay home with her children, (laughs) you'd be absolutely (laughs) wrong because you're teaching these little people how to love, how to think, how to pray, how to then be a, a member of society when they're grown. So exactly. I love what he says here. And I, I know it's controversial, but I have the privilege of staying home now and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Even, 
on the tedious days, mm-hmm. this is when the institution holds us up and <laughs> we continue changing diapers. Um, okay, the last chapter that I just wanted to touch on before we um, wrap up is the outlawed parent. This really, really struck home with me. <laughs> Education in America is an utter mess. Honestly, has um, has let down the current generations that are in especially lower schools. I would say universities, some universities, are are still performing as they should. I went to the University of Dallas. I would argue that they are doing a fantastic job. But grade schools, high schools, we've seen the collapse of that in, pub- in the public education system. And he talks about education a lot in this book. But in The Outlawed Parent, he talks about the idea that the parents have nothing to do with the education of the child and, and what a tragedy that is. So I wanted to ask you, do you think that our education system in any way reflects the, the character and desires of parents today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe that's a yes and no <laughs> answer to that question. And then, and then how can we begin to understand and achieve what Chesterton is talking about here? So I think it's pretty clear that the public school education, at least in the United States, is almost at at odds with the parents uh, in the most Mm. part and is pushing very much a pre-prescribed ideological agenda, which is mostly antithetical to Catholicism and Mm. uh, destructive to not only the ideals of the family, but the ideals of metaphysical reality. (laughs) And so... This, I think Chesterton would have, and did, in fact, almost predict this by what Mm. he discusses here has been taken to the nth degree in the modern education system. And uh, it's really, it's basically an attribute of communism as well, the idea that the state Mm. should be the main person in the child's life and should be in charge of the development of the child for these universally held quote-unquote principles, but those mm-hmm. universal principles are not anchored in anything good or true. They're anchored in the ideology, the godless human passing fad of the day. State, yeah. yeah. And so the, the role of the parent has almost become neutered. And even I was surprised mm-hmm. to learn that even during Chesterton's time, this was going on in the education system in the UK. And mm-hmm. so he he decries this because of course the parents role and he's not catholic yet but he'll come to believe that the parents role is first and foremost to get the children to heaven and that there's a Mm. great responsibility in that that their moral development is more important than their intellectual development but both are important and both work in tandem together Mm. to uh, Mm. create the full holistic person and that if one of those is compromised then the other can fall not far behind. We know metaphysics always precedes ethics. So if you have a wrong idea and perception of the world around you, then morals are not far behind to crumble. So mm. this this idea of what the role of parents should be is that clearly Chesterton believes even then that parents should have more of a say than they do here, than clearly yes. they would today. And Interestingly, though, he's also a proponent of schools because I've heard today this this debate about homeschooling versus Catholic school sure. versus public school. Sure. And 
I really loved school. I think the the institution of the school is such a beautiful thing. Western culture and intellectual intellect was built upon good Catholic universities, for example. So the idea of a hierarchy of expertise is mm. is really a wonderfully objectively good thing. So we shouldn't throw out the idea of higher education just because it's yeah. been corrupted by sure the left basically. And <laughs> so there's this. There's this, I think, tendency to throw out the baby with the bathwater sometimes, which Chesterton also warns against. He he takes this middle mm. path where he recognizes the inherent goods in a higher education system, but also the importance of learning that must go on at home. So I think his yes. arguments can be used for uh, any and every family is different, of course, on that spectrum of choosing to homeschool or choosing to do any variety yes. of, of other school options. So... He, yeah. again, there's there's no absolute with this. It's more, it's along a spectrum of adhering to principles while working within these imperfect right. situations. Right. And he doesn't, his suggestion at the end of this is not to say you must homeschool your children. Mm-hmm. His point is that the values of the parents should greatly influence the education of the child. Mm-hmm. I think at this time there were more parents who were christian mm-hmm. and i think there were more parents who were together and that their families were not split which sort of changes today because i don't have percentages but the number of people that i meet who have no faith or are spiritual or whatever category you want to call it it's much higher, I think, than I think most people went to church in Chesterton's day and age, or a lot of people went to church, and most people stayed married to their to their spouses, it would seem. So that kind of affects education in a big way. And that's one of the things that I love about this book. It's all so interconnected, as Chesterton always is. Mm-hmm. That first chapter that we discussed about the institution of marriage and how the home and marriage is this foundational block for the rest of society everything can't flourish unless we have all of these things in place as far as homeschooling and and school goes the ideal is to send your child to school if they'll be formed correctly and educated correctly the next best thing would be to homeschool if you don't have a good option listeners we wanted to just give you a taste today of the gems that are in this book and something that I really appreciate this book and I'm not going to name titles or names but in the past five years some books have come out um, especially in the Catholic world that could be honest perhaps but also could really drag you down and maybe make you lose faith in the church in the world in people and in God. <laughs> and I would suggest that this book, while it does call out great evil in the world and problems in the world, it's very encouraging at the same time. And Chesterton always leaves us on that note of please strive for goodness, please strive for beauty, please strive for love. And so that's my last question for you, Kristen. What does Chesterton offer us as far as hope? Sure. So he offers us well, first of all, he offers us his sense of humor, which is the only way really to read about issues such as these without getting depressed is really to read them by Chesterton because the way he <laughs> it uh, thoroughly excoriates things that he criticizes, but also he does present solutions. And 
by presenting us an ideal towards which to strive, we can feel that we are making progress every day when when you take small steps towards these ideals. And <clears throat> he, he concludes with this interesting story of that just brings it back all to the human person, where he discusses that during the tenements in London at the time of writing, there was a major problem with an infestation of lice. Because, of course, mm. you're living in close quarters, everyone is incredibly sure. poor, uh, health sure. standards have slipped. And how the solution that the government posited was to shave the heads of all the children to get rid of the lice. And Chesterton says, why are we so concerned about the lice? Why aren't we more concerned about the hair? And that reframing it and saying the dignity wow. of these children matters wow. more than solving this humanistic economic problem in the tenements. And wow. he, he concludes by saying, this is what's wrong with the world, but we only identify what's wrong with the world to get to what's right. And his yes. solution, even within that anecdote, is to look at the humanity of the person in front of you and think of what's best for them rather than what's best at a societal level or getting mm -hmm. so caught up in movements or isms or politics. And that's just a reminder that is encouraging because it's something we can all do and that we are called to all do by Jesus yes. is to encounter first charity starts at home and encounter the people around you first in order to build up a better world rather than trying to conquer the world at, at the large mm. level. So it is very yeah. doable and it's in our hands. Beautiful, beautiful. Remind people again where they can buy this wonderful book. Yes, it's available at sophiainstitute.com. We come out with about five to eight new books per month. So if you're interested in checking out our other titles, good Catholic reprints as well as new authors and even some, some authors that you're familiar with like Chesterton. Will we be seeing more Chesterton from Sophia? Is there anything else in the works? I'm not sure. Not not within the next immediate future. So maybe check back okay. next year for more Chesterton. Okay. All right. On Pints with Chesterton, we end our show by saying something we are grateful for since Chesterton loves gratitude so much. Kristen, what is something that you are grateful for this week? I would say that I am grateful for literacy and that my ability to read this book and imbibe what he said, because that is something that we take for granted in our common era. And for many years, our ancestors did not have that ability. So, Yeah, that is that is something truly to be grateful for. I am grateful to meet another kindred spirit in this uh, world of GKC and to make a new friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. Guys, check out the book. Let us know what you think of it. Let us know if you disagree with something we said today or disagree with something that you read in the book. We'd love to discuss it. Grace will be with me next time. Man Who Was Thursday is coming up next. I hope that you all enjoy Lives of Wit and Whimsy. Cheers.